time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. COVID-19 is the biggest health crisis in our lifetime. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals to stop it, but we need your help. Even if you don't feel sick, you could be carrying it. And just one person with the virus can infect another 40, who then infect thousands more. So I've issued an executive order requiring everyone to stay home to help limit the spread of the virus. Let's protect the people we love. Stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. It's time now for Armchair Politics. Join host Tom Sumner for this weekly reality check on current events in local, state and national politics and the real issues that really matter. You too can be part of Armchair Politics. Find us on Facebook. We let the dogs off their leash. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our roundtable regulars on the left, uh, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Paul, good morning. Good morning. Good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican, Henry Hatter. Henry, good morning. Good morning, Tom and all. And Good morning, Henry. And last but not least, uh, joining our roundtable for this week, Politico Emeritus Woodrow Stanley. Hi, Wood. Hey, good morning uh, to good you, morning. Tom, and good morning, Paul Wood. and Henry. Hey. Good morning. Uh, well, as, uh, as, as you all know, and most people who listen to the show know, we start out uh, armchair politics with some quotes, the first being the finish the quote, where I ask you, how would you finish this quote? The people who cast the votes decide what? The future. Um, no, I did the quote I'm thinking of. People who cast the votes decide nothing. The people who count the votes decide everything. You nailed it. That's the exact <laughs> quote. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, oh, that was clever. That's the exact quote. Uh, and and do you know who said it? I believe Stalin. Was it was, Stalin? Joseph Stalin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, here's uh, one of the quotes of the week. Um, it's incredibly disturbing that the President of the United States Ten days after a plot to kidnap, put me on trial, and execute me is added again, inciting this kind of domestic terrorism. Gretchen. Oh, 
Yep. It was uh, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer yep. accused President Donald Trump of inciting domestic terrorism during a national TV appearance Sunday in her strongest critici- uh, criticism of Trump to date on NBC's Meet the Press following a Trump campaign appearance in Michigan Saturday. Does the president incite domestic terrorists? Absolutely. Yeah, so his comments certainly encourage it. And then even during his, his initial campaign back in 16, he threatened to uh, you know, pay the lawyers' bills for people who punch people out at his rallies. So it's been there. Did we lose Henry, or did he have no? No, no I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, no. Do you think? What about what about you, Henry? You you typically uh, defend the president, and and yes, he I do. and and what do you think? Does his rhetoric um, incite people that are prone to this kind of terrorist activity? I, you know, I don't think that's his intent. His intent is is to counteract. Uh, a statement made by someone who was in opposition to him. That's how the president is. He's reactive. Uh, but I don't think he intends to get anybody hurt by all of that. But the rhetoric can be damaging for those people who can use it for that reason. So, yeah, he could tone it down. Yeah. The atmosphere is there, unfortunately. I mean, and he's... He, he, he doesn't counteract the atmosphere and gives a bit of a green light to some of that stuff. I, but I don't I, think I, he really means to get anybody hurt by it. That, that would not be his intent. That would probably I, I, not I, be anybody else's intention either. I, I would, I would differ. I think that he knows exactly what he's doing. Um, you're calling him. Um, the world's biggest imbecile, if you would be able to to conclude that he wouldn't understand that the consequence of yelling uh, fire in a crowded theater is that there are going to be some people who are going to get hurt. And there are people who were doing that to cause him to react that way. And so, there's two ways. These, these lines like stand by and stand, stand, stand down and stand by certainly sounds like a, uh, a threatening warning in a lot of ways. <clears throat> well, I didn't read it that way. But <clears throat> I think he, when you say stand by, that be prepared for uh, conflict, right? But I don't think he meant that that way. Just stand by. Just be cool. Well, I think in that particular quote, in that particular quote, I really think he he was being called on to ask these groups to stand down, and I think um, in that particular quote, I think he just fumbled. I, you know, he I think he was searching for the phrase "stand down" when he said "stand back, stand by." Yeah. You know, Tom, you could you could you could give you can give someone who uh, doesn't have a history. You could give them the benefit of the doubt. Now let, let's let's be fair. I mean, you know, let's be fair. The, the guy knows what he's doing. He, he has been playing footsie with these white supremacist organizations for years, for years. Now remember, this Donald Trump didn't just start playing this 
this this race thing when he ran for president. Now follow, go back and read his his um, stuff in New York, and uh, he's played this a long, long time. He hasn't been fumbling when he talked about what was going on in Charlottesville. Central when Park he was Central defending Park when he he wasn't he didn't fumble. Well, you know, I I think the president has an oath to all Americans. And people who don't agree with the normal thought in public have a right to say, to have their voices heard. Those are black supremacists mm -hmm. or white supremacists. But mm -hmm. that's the American. Until you change that, they all have to have their voice heard. Is this <clears throat> good for America? Yes, it is. It's good as long as we have the Constitution. The Constitution is its source, uh, an uh, authority power, and it's also a, a uh, it has its own self-destructive tendencies. It will destroy itself. And we have to be cognizant of that because those issues are both prevalent in the Constitution. People have a right to talk, even if they don't agree with Henry Hatter. They could still call me names. Uh, I think that I think that when thing. you when you incite people to to plot to kidnap governors. And, oh, I don't know whether he has and, that. You have no proof of that. Knows, and God knows what other God uh, does not know that officials. God does God not knows know that. Whatever. <laughs> you know, hold on. I don't. You, I, I know. Yes, God I do. Knows God knows, be quiet for a minute, God knows what other things that we're going to discover. He intended, when he came back and started to rail against Governor Whitmer again just this past weekend, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he probably has, he has a right to speak his voice against her. She's both so a woman family, and an American if, if and a human being. Killed, if, if her family is killed, should he be... Um, Indicted for complicity? Oh, I don't know about that. You can you can make that case, couldn't you? But I don't know whether you win all of the arguments. This is a well, human on, condition. On a, on a moral basis, it, if not a legal basis, absolutely his hands has, would have blood on them. But you don't have any proof of that. But there's a history. There's a long history of... As Wood says, <laughs> this goes back long before he's running for president. The, the whole birther business and the Central Park uh, jogger issue yeah. back in the eighties. I'm not. I'm not saying, Paul, that he doesn't have. Yeah. Uh, that he doesn't have character flaws that would tend to uh, lead us to think that way, because he does. We all do. Yeah. Yeah. Even the people on this panel here, they have their flaws. Right. They're not perfect. So when you go out and call a man uh, guilty of something or claim he's guilty of something, you have to have evidence. You have to have proof. You can make these claims all you want to because we live in the United States. And in the Constitution, we allow that. But we have to be cautious. And I'm not saying when the president wasn't using risk. Henry, when you're president, this is a question I just, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm done, and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, allow the moderator to move on. But... Henry, when you're president, are, are you held to a higher standard? I mean, you and I 
even though we're pu- we've been public official, you are a public official. Um, Paul is in the public, it, so is so is Tom. But but you and I have held where folks have actually voted for us. So it, it, the president is on the largest stage in the world. So is he held to the same standard as a public official, as other public officials, or as a private citizen? But when you have the public trust, you have everything. You have all that is possible. So you are held to a higher standard. Anybody okay. who's elected right. to public okay. office of any kind is held to a high standard. I will. Okay. That's not debatable. Okay. okay. So, okay. so he goes out and he makes these uh, statements that uh, get them in trouble. But my, my guess is if, if you're a white supremacist and you hear that stuff, you feel more comfortable doing things or saying things you might not otherwise. When the you mean some that, white supremacists have that. Not all white supremacists have that. I see them all day. I meet them all day. They're in my community. When I go in the planet, they're there. They have a right to be there. But the dealers don't have a right to, to hit me or to touch me or to calm right. me down. Right. Okay, I hold them to that standard. Well, we all know that the president loves to stir the pot, but if you stir the pot too aggressively, there's a chance you're going to spill some soup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, guys. Good phrase. I'm sorry, guys. Kyle used to be called the home of the skinheads. So I'm I'm accustomed to that. But yet they elected a black man to... Uh, 28 years of service on the school board, and always the highest vote getter. So, and that goes to your yeah. credit, Henry. We'll give you credit on that. Really well, I do. That goes yeah. to everybody's credit who is American. Well, yeah, I know. They can have their views, they want to, but they and I had, they let me say what I wanted to, let me be who I wanted to. So I had no problem with it. Well, Henry, I think that speaks to the content of your character. I think so. Well, we got about <clears throat> just just uh, just under a minute and a half until the break, so I'm going to save this uh, next quote where I'm going to flip sides and, and go to the other side of the aisle for a quote of the week um, when we uh, when we come back. This is Armchair Politics. Woodrow Stanley joining our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter. If you're streaming us at uh, 92 point or if you're listening to us on 92.1 fm our voices radio in flint they are a broadcast service of the flint odyssey house spectacle productions and my good friend paul herring we're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break if uh, you're streaming us at tomsumnerprogram.com we uh, have some messages as well and um I, I don't know if you got a chance to hear the uh, interview this morning with Seth uh, Maskett from uh, the University of Denver about his new book, uh, Lessons, uh, Lessons Learned uh, for Democrats from 2016 to 2020. Kind of an interesting interview. Next week in that time slot, I have two of the candidates that are running for the Michigan Supreme Court, the Chief Justice, Bridget uh, McCormick, and uh, Elizabeth Kelly. Who seem to be running on sort of Everybody's a ticket? Anyway, we'll be right back. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Hi, I'm Dr. Jonay Caldoun. We know that COVID-19 is spreading rapidly across Michigan right now. The most important thing people can do to protect themselves is social distancing. That means unless you are a critical infrastructure worker or going out to get food or medicine for your home, you should be staying at home. Stay home, stay safe, save lives. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays at 11 for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bai from the Blue Hornets. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. This is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. Sixties, the marches, the beans, the draft card burnings, and best of all, the music. Well, now Apple House has collected the finest of those songs on one album called Golden Protest, performed by the original artists who made them famous. You'll thrill to Society's Child by Janicean, Pleasant Valley Sunday by the Monkees, What Have They Done to the Rain by the Searchers, In the Ghetto by Elvis Presley, Silent Night, 7 O'Clock News by Simon and Garfunkel, and who can ever forget this all-time classic... Yes, it's Barry Maguire's immortal Eve of Destruction. And, of course, my own Masters of War, all for the incredibly low price of $3.95. And if you order now, you'll also receive a treasury of acid rock featuring vanilla fudge, blue chair, frigid pink, Moby Grape, the electric prunes, Jefferson Airplane, Lotharian hand people, to name but a few. Plus, as part of this special limited offer, you also get the best of the supergroups with Traffic, Cream, Blind Faith, Ginger Baker's Air Force, and many, many others. Yes, this is a collector's dream, Golden Protest, plus two fabulous 60s albums, all for only $3.95. If you were to purchase these selections separately, they'd cost you hundreds of dollars, and many cannot be found anywhere at any price. Well... It's time for my boot heels to be wandering. But here's something will tell you how you can get this amazing record package. Here's how to order this amazing record package. Just send $3.95 and check your money order plus your name and address to Apple House Box 70K South Bend, Indiana. Once again, that's $3.95 and check your money to Apple House Box 70K. Do it TomSumnerProgram.com The TomSumnerProgram.com
This is Jill Stein, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics continues on today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And uh, we were in the middle of our uh, quotes, and we'll uh, get one more in before we move on to some local, uh, state, and national news and current events. Um, here's here's a, uh, a quote I picked out. These people are sick. One of the most sinister weapons of the extreme left is this thing called the cancel, cancel culture. Hmm. <coughs> I don't remember reading that one. Well, yeah, I'll that was uh, that was President Donald Trump. He drew thousands okay. uh-huh. at a West Michigan airport on Saturday, holding a raucous rally less than three weeks from Election Day. Trump, speaking at Flyby Air near Muskegon, told supporters a win by former Vice President Joe Biden would lead to the end of the American way of life. He said Biden has lost the Democratic Party to radicals in the party. He claimed large tech companies and media outlets were censoring conservative voices. Do you think conservative voices are being censored by social and mainstream media? <clears throat> I do. I do. I do. I do think there's a tendency to do so. But when you when you have when you can't do anything else, that's what you must do in order to that your side side prevails. We just have to work harder on the other side. But all is fair in this process. It looks as though. Although it would not be my my view of how we should run our country, but it's how it is. It's the human condition. I don't know. I mean, I see plenty of pro-Trump statements on Facebook and similar kind of things, and certainly hear a number of pro-Trump comments even on the even on the so-called mainstream media often enough. So I'm not sure it's gotten it's been censored in that sense. Well, that Trump sense himself is not censored. Trump confess what he Oh, no, but will. I'm saying the media. Yeah. Well, so my, my, I, my, my question is, so what is the definition of a, of a Republican conservative in the age of Trump? Because yeah, good, good there are question, plenty of yeah. folks who, who I had tremendous regard for and thought they were um, significant leaders who happened to be Republican conservatives, but they they had a a moral compass, and so if you're using Trump as a reference point, I, that's my question. If you're if you're considered, for instance, someone like Michael Steele, the former mm-hmm. chair of the the National Republican Party, considers himself uh, a republic a, a conservative, and but he has always been a per a person of of uh, of conscience. I, those folks who are just lapped up, like for instance, Lindsey Graham. And, you know, um, is Lindsey Graham a person of, 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 of moral compass now? I mean, you know, this guy simply does whatever Trump's asked ask him to do. He's part of the team, just like Ms. Harris and all of the others surrounded by Joe Biden. They have to be part of the team. <clears throat> you dedicate yourself to the will of the, the candidates is running to president. But and what's amazing is how, how many of these folks have, have turned around so much. I mean, when, when Trump was first running, so many of these folks denounced him as the, the, the worst candidate in the world. 
And then once he got elected, all of a sudden, they're, they're, they're his best buddy. Well, the president yeah, is typically the leader of their party. But yes. here is yeah. a case where Donald Trump, by, by everyone's definition, is so narcissistic that he is the head of Trump. Yes, and, the, and uh, the, institution. the Republicans, the Republicans and I think, not all Republicans go along with Donald Trump. That's that's what I that's time. what that's what but, I was going to point out, but, Henry. You know, is a lot Republican of Republicans, like like Wood uh, pointed out, Michael Steele. Michael Steele mm -hmm. is one of the most recent in a yes. number of Republicans who have said, "Wait a minute, I I, I can't do this yeah. again." You know, this yeah. is not the party that I signed up for that I believe in. That Lincoln Project underscores that in many ways. With, with, and and, and Colin Powell and some of the others have right, said the same right. thing. So uh, not only have uh, traditional uh, white uh, Republicans have done that, but the blacks have done the same thing. Uh, so there's a, there's a stream of consciousness among Republicans on what they really believe in, their core values. And stuff like that. So the, the so president course, may ride a little bit above that. So they the, don't all just course. drift away from that commitment to uh, the platform. The, the question, Henry, that, that I have is, so most of these folks who are have been Republicans and conservative re Republicans for years, I mean years, they have the bona fides, the credentials, I mean, they have been at the top of the chart for years, and they're fleeing Trump like the folks on the Titanic. And so, so, so my, my, my question is, and, 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 and most of them have said publicly, I'm not, because I'm going to vote for Joe Biden, doesn't mean that I'm going to join the Democratic Party. I just don't find a place for me in, in the Trump Republican Party. So my question is, so what happens to the Republican Party after November 3rd? It will survive. It, it, the Republican Party is like bad weed. It will come back again and again. <laughs> you ain't going to give it up. So uh, I'm not sure a lot of Republicans would appreciate that characterization. but <laughs> Oh, but, but it's real. Yeah. But they would love to have that survival capacity. Everybody but the, the question Wood asks is is a valid one, and I find myself asking it all the time about both Republicans and Democrats, because both parties have at their core a a fundamental belief system. One being mm -hmm. in individual freedoms and yes. and. Um, uh, free market and and so on yeah. on the Republican side, on the Democratic side, it's much more about community and and this this notion that uh, you know we we all need to work together you know as a group, and both points of view are valid and and worthy of discussion and bringing to the table. But what we've done with Republicans and Democrats alike, much as we've done with candidates for the Supreme Court, is to find them by the issues. Yeah, and, and you're, you're right. The Republicans believe in the economy, and they believe in uh, the great military, making sure our borders are safe, and always putting America first. And their challenges against the Eastern 
Howard Block, like China, Korea, and all of those. But those, those are, are but those are all issues. The American. But, but those are all issues, Henry, and we tend to yes, do yes. that. We tend to think in terms of where are yes. Republicans and Democrats about the border, instead of thinking of them um, at at their at at their core values, not not just their position on issues. Um, we hope that their core values define or direct their position on issues. That isn't always how it turns out, though. But I think but, a lot you know, of if I could say this, if I could oh. say this, excuse me, Paul, ahead, if I could say this, when I look at the advertisement by the president and by Joe Biden, uh, I'm sorry, Joe Biden just seems to be doing so much better. And he, uh, his issues are... Uh, seem to be much they land on targets, and uh, he looks kind and stuff like that. Well, I, I, th I, th I think you might be seeing that, Henry, in part because the president is uh, uh, on defensive, um, as, as most incumbents are, you know, at this point in the process. Um, and and he's, uh, he's, he's been saddled with, like it or not, coronavirus fatigue but but i don't say that the president is weak at all i'm not saying that i'm giving i'm lifting joe up no 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 i I, th I think you're absolutely a, uh, right but i think but i think the the president is in a position where yes. um he's not as strong and and also i might i might point out that uh you know, in some ways, the coronavirus, which has uh, Joe Biden running a lower key campaign, you know, less big rallies, less public appearances and so on. That's actually working to his benefit a little bit because we don't right. see right. we don't see the Biden gaffe machine. Yeah, I agree with it. And if I if I have to and I'm, as I said before, and you guys know this, I support Trump. I'm going to support him to the end of. Uh, and uh, but if Biden becomes a president, I'm going to give Biden his time to do what he needs to do without my opposition to him. And well, that's what the I, president is. That was the intent of the yeah, framers. That's, that's go, decent response, Henry. That go is, ahead, Wood. Yeah. No, I was you. You raised a uh, question, Tom, and I just wanted to. I wanted to hear. Paul's response to it, and if I could just take one second, the question was uh, about core values of respective parties, the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. And, and so I, all I wanted to tag on to that, uh, because I, I, I absolutely agree with the point and where you were headed with it, that the, the parties, both parties, should not allow the, the issues of the day to drive their values. Their values should drive the issue, and 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 and, and what we'll see. Yeah. And I know Henry differs with this, but what we'll see is that the, the when 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 there's a look back after November third, when there's a look back uh, with the Republican far Party, they'll see that they are so far from what their core values, what their stated core values are, not the Trump values, but their stated core values. The, the, the question will be, how do we get back to who we are at our core as a party? Now, now yeah. Paul, I just, 
you know. I, I, I was going to add that well, while issues are important, what also strikes me about Trump is that it's in many ways a cult of personality. I mean, I think some of the yeah. folks who were supporting Trump are there just because they're angry at the system and they felt left out. And <clears throat> whether right. Trump shows up as, you know, as, as a matter of man of the left or the right or shoots a guy on Fifth Avenue, I suspect the support is there. So, I mean, issues matter, but there's this element of this cult of personality that just expresses the anger and frustration that a lot of people are feeling out there. And that may be his, may be his part of his strangest appeal. And, Paul, you're, you're right, because uh, Americans are dissatisfied with industry, letting all the jobs get away from them. Um, and and uh, we have this growing population here and declining resources and stuff like that. And we got to figure out how do we stabilize and convince the young people that this country is worth uh, saving as a, as a free and democratic society. And uh, so bringing the jobs back and challenging the rest of the world to pay their due uh, amounts to the United Nations and, and uh, support all of the efforts that the United States is trying to bear alone, that they're all responsible for. I think that Trump has turned the tide there, <clears throat> and that needed to be turned. And Americans won't forget that, even if he doesn't win. We will never go back the way it was. Well, yeah, let's no, there's no doubt. The nation will be a changed nation in some ways. But as I say, I, if, if Trump decided to put the hammer and sickle above the White House tomorrow, would he lose any supporters? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well he, he certainly uh, made uh, purchasing uh, Klan um, a yeah, yeah. Uh, That's right. That's uh, right. Okay. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> I would be cautious about these giggles, guys, because <laughs> Mr. Uh, Putin <clears throat> has challenged you guys. He says he will interfere with the election if he, if he wants to. You can't stop him. Nobody can. And you don't Well, dare. I think the person that has the best relationship <laughs> with him, I mean, is... is you know, your candidate. Uh, well, I hope so. I hope he'd have a relationship with him. I, would I mean, but so. it's a relationship that I don't think that my interests are being served. No, I think it's a relationship that you can spend if you're on that side. Well, let's, let's move on yes. to some local things. Ward 8 City Councilman Alan Griggs has been targeted for recall by a former candidate for mayor who has filed two slightly different sets of petition language against him. The Genesee County Elections Commission, which rejected recall language against Griggs just weeks ago, is scheduled to meet October 30th to act on the latest petition language filed by Don Pfeiffer. Recall wording filed in two petitions filed by Pfeiffer differ in only one way. Each says Griggs should be recalled for his vote in favor of Lynn Sorensen's appointment as a member of the Flint Planning Commission, but one proposal says he should be recalled for his yes vote, while the other says he should lose his seat on the council for voting yes or aye for Sorensen. Pfeiffer, who M. Live, the Flint Journal, could not immediately reach for comment, filed similar language against Griggs earlier this year, but the Elections Commission voted against it, saying the proposed petition wasn't clear. Is Don Pfeiffer becoming the new David Davenport? Uh, <laughs> I started, that's exactly what I thought when I saw that story. <laughs> yeah, I, but when he voted for... Um, 
the um, environmental company, I think we we're talking about, uh, to do trash hauling, I think it was. Did he benefit from that process? Did someone put money in his pocket? Did he do it uh, as a favor to someone? I don't think so. So, okay, then he has a right to give the vote to who he, at the time, like you guys have already said, your core values should drive your actions. Now, tell me that in this case. Why, why don't you say that he has a right to make that vote? in his own well, this one's this one's a, a little bit weird because um <coughs> she's been you know appointed to the flint planning commission at the same time she's opening a a controversial uh um halfway house or something in a neighborhood if it were the zoning commission it would be a much clearer conflict of interest, but there are people that are that are trying to paint this as though there's some conflict of interest yeah. that Griggs yeah. has yeah. somehow promoted yeah. with his vote and his support. I don't like her. it, and I don't know Griggs, guys. I don't, but it's the process that I challenge. Well, city officials are inviting residents to join in a discussion on the future of I-475 in Flint, including the potential for removing a portion of the expressway by filling it in, leveling the landscape, and allowing for the creation of a boulevard designed to reconnect downtown with adjacent neighborhoods. Um, Mayor Sheldon Neely said in a news release, that the first visioning and input sessions for I-475 will be at 6.30 p.m. this evening and will be shown on the city's Facebook page and YouTube channel. Is this going to be a thing? Wow, sounds exciting. Yeah, I, I saw the story. Welcome I, back. Interesting idea. I, I recall when 475 went in and how it divided the downtown right. the, the neighborhood in that area. I don't know. I, I I call it I call it the old um, trying to get the toothpaste back into the tube <laughs> uh, development yeah, yeah. strategy. This this is uh, I mean you know this urban renewal strategy uh, is uh, evident across the country, and the interesting thing is, and you say whether this is by happenstance or intentional. The interesting thing is where you have these expressways cutting across the cities, they always seem to cut through one particular kind of neighborhood. Right. <laughs> yep. Exactly. So, I, you know, the, I think the, if we're going to uh, do something like that, and, you know, it, it may be a worthy um, topic to discuss, but we need to make sure for those who weren't around here, just as, as Paul just referenced, I mean, a little bit of a history lesson wouldn't be a bad thing, regardless of what, what we end up doing. Just make sure that the citizens understand um, what happened with the St. John Street neighborhood, my old neighborhood, what happened with yeah. that neighborhood there. Well, that's that's an important uh, an important point to bring up and to make sure to remind people of. But it also begs the question, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Wood, um, can you change hearts and minds through infrastructure? 
Ah. Hmm. Uh, that's an interesting, uh, yeah. very, very interesting. Um, the, you know, generally, I think well, the, the immediate kind of impression is that, I mean, for those of us that get a chance to um, drive on better maintained streets, um, so we only see a part of the infrastructure. Uh, I've heard Henry talk about this. A lot of the infrastructure is unseen, but absolutely necessary because it's underground. Um, and and so I, I don't know if there is as much of a full appreciation of um, the necessary infrastructure as there should be. <coughs> Guys, we're talking. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say. I was going to say that you, you you may not be able to change minds with infrastructure, but you can also if you if you separate people out with infrastructure, you're going to change minds in another direction. If if people never get to know mm. each other, mm. you're going to change mm. minds in another direction. So I, <laughs> it it plays a role. It plays a role. But uh, what what Wood said is very true, and it's not an argument. When they bring in new expressways and stuff, they go through one ticket to kind of neighborhood. That's true. But that was then. This is now, Wood. We've got to move along with the times. We have more people elected to city council, more to the state legislature, more to Congress. We have a bigger voice, but that voice has to be united. You know, we've got to, got to be able to do what other cultures do. They do unite their voices. They talk to each other. They strategize, and so on and so forth. If that happens, it's a great idea. And besides, we're thinking that this is going to be for us. This is for the future. New people will live here. And this is you know, done to the, bring like, in prosperity for new people. You know, one other thought, different. though, is that what wasn't 475 designed to connect Buick City with other GM plans primarily? Wasn't that? Yes, it was. Yes, it was, with that yeah. loop. Yeah. Yeah. Fisher body where they brought the bodies exactly. by trailer. Yeah, it, yeah, it went yeah. from Fisher to uh, Buick City. Buick. Mm-hmm. But this is uh, what. But we and and what you got to remember. By twenty fifty, people of color will be the arithmetic and political majority of this country. And so things are going to change, and we got to figure out how to work better with our coordinate cultures. And there's no other way you can reverse this process. It's going to happen. We're on the slippery slope now. So we just have to learn to work and use our influence and authority to make sure that what happens in the 50s don't happen today because we, we are in charge. We can't abrogate it. It's got to always be part of us. Yeah, but um, I, I, again, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with the slippery slope characterization because <laughs> it's entirely possible henry that we're marching forward and upward i hope so well when i said the slippery slope i meant that it's the the uh, momentum is moving downward no i i understood but i but i just I, I just wanted to to yeah. make that quick yeah, comment sure. because we have yeah. to go to break here and uh, and we'll get into lots more when armchair politics continues after we let our broadcast partners 
squeeze a few words in edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break if you're streaming us we have some messages as well so don't touch that dial don't click that mouse we'll be right back hello there citizens darkwing duck here and every time i'm in flint fighting crime i always stop by the tom sumner program don't forget stay dangerous darkwing duck out The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately and with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all-night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the back. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. The interest of goodwill. The Hoffman Beverage Company feels compelled to make this announcement. It's simply this. All Hoffman flavors have that happy taste, except sarsaparilla. We might as well come right out with it. We haven't quite hit that happy, carefree note in sarsaparilla. Now, please don't misunderstand us. Our Hoffman sarsaparilla is absolutely dependable. It's trustworthy. It's loyal. And many fine, upstanding citizens love it. But it just isn't what we call 
happy. You take our Hoffman orange. It's absolutely rollicking. Our lemon is almost giggly. Our black cherry and black raspberry are so bubbling with happiness, they dance in the glass. They all have natural flavor and famous Hoffman study sparkle. We're sorry about Hoffman sarsaparilla. Why isn't it happy? Well, let me ask you, could you be happy if your name This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. Uh, Woodrow Stanley joining our political uh, roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, for today's edition of Armchair Politics. Um, the city is adding four additional drop boxes for absentee ballots at Flint Fire Department stations. This started uh, this past Monday. Uh, the city announced the move uh, on Friday. Uh, that the drop boxes are for absentee ballot voters who choose not to mail in their ballots or submit them directly to the city clerk's office. Um, Fire station drop boxes were installed recently and made possible through a donation from Kyle Kuzma, a Flint native and member of the NBA champion Los Angeles Lakers, the city made sure to say in a news release. the uh, fire station boxes are in addition to some other boxes that are uh, available throughout the city. I'm not going to list them all here, although I was thinking about it. Um, but you can go to the city's website and find out where those drop boxes are. Um, the question I have for the three of you is, do ballot drop boxes reduce concerns about mail delays or create their own different concerns? Well, I think they reduce concerns about the mail delays. I mean, and they really are very convenient, even the ones they've had before, from my experience. <coughs> I guess, yeah. And I don't think that people should think when the system is bending over backwards to please the consuming public to make it easy for them to access the system and to form the voting process, then they should appreciate it, and they should work toward that, making sure that it works. If they are doing this, they uh, people have an obligation to do that too, or they can destroy any possible uh, good about what the public is elected officials are trying to do. They need to work at that. They need to work with them. I think, I, think it's a, it's, yeah. I think it's a good thing, uh, but um, you know, just my personal sort of opinion on accessibility in terms of of um, of remote ballot boxes and the like is that, you know, if folks had to drive 10 miles to get to a uh, place to vote, then they should be willing to, to drive 10 miles. Now, that's just, that's just Woodrow uh, speaking. Go ahead, Woodrow. I'm on your side. I got your back. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, remind, I'm reminded of a poster that I've um, filed away now, but I had it in my office for years. And it's, it was a poster, uh, and some of you may remember this, of um, this line that was about 10 miles long of folks <laughs> waiting to vote in near 100-degree weather. And it was the first election when Nelson Mandela ran for president oh. of South mm. Africa. And, yeah. and, and, yeah. I, and I, would, I would frequently... <clears throat> look at that poster, and, and during election time, I, I, I would always, you know, just ponder, just looking at it and ponder if we had that same kind of fire-in-the-belly 
passion about voting in our country. Uh, now, with that said, I'm, I'm, I'm a pragmatist. I understand, you You know, you, you've got to make voting as easy as, as possible. But I can tell you, in, my, in, in the world that I painted in my own line in terms of civic um, responsibility, uh, I would... I wish that folks would just, if, if it was necessary to uh, walk or drive or what, take a bus or whatever the case may be, that they would do that in order to exercise uh, their civic um, uh, responsibility. The blacks did that in the southern states uh, in the 60s. They didn't, yeah. it wasn't 10 miles long, but they did everything they can to get to the ballot box, only to be repulsed. But that just right. gave them more um, likely. Uh, that was a, a little old. To, yeah. That was a little old school there, Wood. I'd walk ten miles to vote uphill both ways. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You heard that story too, Tom. Yeah, but I've but yeah. but I you know I've I've of the same mind, and yet this year for the first time, I I've, I did vote absentee ballot, and I mailed it. Back. Oh, did I? Um, I mailed it back, but it was more than a month before the election, and I think even with the problems the post office is hap ha having, it should make it in a month. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we went to City Hall about two weeks ago to do our voting, and we just pulled pulled up by the uh, police department area. could park about three steps out of the car. You dropped it off. It was very, very convenient. Yeah, yeah, you guys yeah. need to eat your hearts out here because I haven't voted, and you want to know how I'm going to vote. <laughs> <laughs> we already have a You're going to vote for Biden for president. I know that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> sure like a lot of good Republicans lately. Right. <laughs> well, I voted absentee before, and I have no compunction against voting uh, this way uh, by by mail-in voting. I, I think it's great. Well, here's uh, an interesting thing that was, uh, that was in the news. A preliminary analysis of calls for police help at liquor stores and gas stations shows that additional restrictions on their hours of operation may be needed, according to Mayor Sheldon Neely. Uh, Neely released data collected by the Flint De uh, Police Department last Friday showing more than 1,000 emergency calls made so far this year at just 24 sample locations, three liquor stores and three gas stations in each of the four quadrants of the city. Although the city council has yet to introduce an ordinance to limit the hours of businesses that stay open until early morning hours or operate 24 hours a day, two council members said Friday that they have been pushing to develop one that could be introduced at their next meeting. Good idea. I, I think eleven o'clock has been the curfew when they stop selling liquor uh, daily. I think, and <clears throat> I don't see. Well, it's two a.m. for for liquor. What? Right. It's two. still two a.m. Yeah, two a.m. Is it? Yeah. Uh, in a store. Yeah. In a in a commercial, I didn't know that. Well, that's that's that's. Um, Class D, then Class C is by the glass. That's that's you know bars. Mm -hmm. So I knew that. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, people who I, 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 don't, I don't I don't know if, if that's what, what's the old expression of um, 
uh, a solution, searching for a problem. I, I'm, I'm not sure how that line, you know, it, it's sort of like sometimes I hear folks propose things and yeah. and then they get to the therefore line. Therefore, I'm proposing that we, and, and sometimes they don't match up. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not as familiar with, with this. There may be a problem. I don't know if, if that's the solution. I I just don't know. I'm with Wood on that one. I'm I kind of shrug my idea. shoulders. I mean, I I've got no problem. problem with it, but I, I don't know if it's going to solve the issue. Yeah. What is the issue? Well, what they're, what they're saying is that a large percentage of police calls are going to these liquor stores and gas stations. Yeah. If they close them down earlier, that maybe that would reduce those calls. My feeling is that the people that are hanging out at those liquor stores yeah. and gas stations will go somewhere else. The police station, right in front of the police station, that's something. <laughs> <laughs> they don't serve beer there, do they? <laughs> right, no, but right. they got a good hangout there. <laughs> Well, so like well, Wood no, says, I don't see the problem. Right. Well, there's you know, no they, doubt that during this during this COVID nineteen period, obviously, um, you have uh, a significant uptick in unemployment and 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 inability uh, to congregate and to do um, social things that people normally would do, and so you're going to find somewhere to congregate or to do whatever it is that and um, liquor stores just happen to be a good place I, I can tell you in my many many years of being in office that we frequently have problems with uh, congregation uh, congregating at uh, liquor stores that was but, you know ten years ago on Lee Street just between industrial and North Street mm -hmm. They tore down those buildings, and then guys got creative. <clears throat> First time I've seen any creative thinking come out of that area. But they put out, they put out couches, Whoa. and they put Whoa. out uh, all kind of things to incentivize a place where people who wanted to talk could sit there and talk and drink their liquor. And, and, and the, that never caused any problems. And then suddenly they disappeared. Maybe the people died or they found other places, but that was a good place, and we called it the country club when mm. they came down from Buick. Woodrow, before you do a deep dive on that comment that uh, rubbed you the I'm wrong not going. way. I'm not, I'm not going. I'm not going. <laughs> yeah. We, not going. Well, we just have about a minute until the top of the hour, so. <laughs> I'm not going. But yeah. that was creative thinking, guys. You, you know, they they did what they what they were led not to do. They did something about it, and it was safe, secure, and you guys missed the point. Well, no, no. I think safe. I I think what happened is that that you said something that that uh, Wood took issue with, and and frankly, yeah, I, I did know too. He, I know he did. <clears throat> when you said, uh, you know, that's the first time I've seen something creative come out of that area. I first thing I was that area where they that was where they had a lot of liquor stores and bars and stuff like that and they didn't and, and they were in competition so but well, the I, do, I don't I don't think you meant what you said but uh, well you could take so, that any so, way you want so, so, similar, yeah. similar 
similar to what uh, uh, Donald does from time to time. You know. <laughs> and that's all right. <laughs> well, because I, I think I that those are the kind of comments that make people better. I, I got to put a comma there, and we'll be back with the second half of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable right after this. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.